0: Hi and welcome to Defining Boundaries, a podcast about the interesting characters from our surveying and spatial industry and their unique perspectives on life and our industry. I'm Peter Cox and I use my 25 years of contacts as a surveyor and teacher to dig deep into the lives of others. Each fortnight I delve into the life and times of people from all over the world who share the same profession and passions. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel, like, comment, feel free to share with your friends. Do you have a question about the surveying or spatial industry? Or would you like to join me for a chat? Or would you like to hear from someone in particular? If so, send me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram, and we can catch up. This week, join me while I chat to Evan Acar, Director of Land Strata Surveys from Roseville, New South Wales. So, grab your drink, sit back, relax while we chat.
1: Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox.
2: Hi, and welcome to Defining Boundaries. My guest today is Evan Akam. Evan is a registered surveyor in New South Wales and owns his own company, Land Strata Surveys. Evan was born in Iran. And growing up, he wanted to be an architect. In his 17 year career, he has worked in Iran, Russia, Kazakhstan, India, and Australia. He was awarded a, SMIC sc- a, a scholarship from SMIC, the Surveying and Mapping Industry Council to gain his certificate Four in training and assessment, which would enable him to teach in the vac- vocational education sector. He enjoys ocean swims in his downtime and writing stories and poetry. Welcome, Evan, and thank you for joining me.
3: Hi, Peter. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to be on your podcast.
2: So uh, we were chatting just beforehand, and uh, this is a take two, everyone. I will admit it. We all make mistakes. Um, We probably spoke for about 15 minutes before I realized that we weren't recording. (laughs) So (laughs) take two, we'll get it right this time.
3: (laughs) As as long as we learn from mistakes, it's
2: absolutely Oops. (laughs) <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh tell me. Um did I say is it Iran? Iran, yeah.
3: Iran. Iran. <laughs> I
2: get every time. I'm very Yeah,
3: I like it. No, no, that's fine. Um you know, it, it's been all well, we call it Iran. Uh, it's been called Persia back in the day, probably 200 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, so Iranians try to present themselves as Persians everywhere because it's cooler.
1: Because right. <laughs> okay. it's a Persian
3: carpet, Persian cat, Persian whatever. <laughs> so you know, Iranians, when, when they ask you where are you from, you say you're Persian, but you know most of the people okay. don't know it. <laughs> so you should be from a cool place because we know the carpet, we know the kitten, we know the. But it's actually, yeah, it's been called Iran uh, and um, it has more um, um, variety than just Persians. It has different kind of, you know, races, codes, Arabs, like all around the
2: country. Okay, and so yeah. you were born there. What was it like growing up?
3: Well, it, uh, well, that, that's uh, one of the things. Like I was uh, born on the second year of uh, eight years war between Iran and Iraq. Mm. It was probably not the uh, best time to come into the world. <laughs> no, probably not. As bad as it was, probably as bad as 2020 in Australia. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, 2020 anywhere, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean,
3: exactly. Yeah,
2: but... <laughs> lucky in Australia compared to yeah. America. Yeah. But I mean, 19,
3: 1982 in Iran was probably worse than 2020 in Australia. So how, just imagine how bad it was. Yeah, And uh, yes, yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, a, you know, it's a country in the Middle East, um, not as bad as the worst country in the Middle East, not as good as the best, coolest place in the Middle East. Like, you know, people think about Middle East, It's it, can't, it can be Dubai, or it can be Lebanon, or it can be Iraq or Syria, where they, you know, some areas that is dominated by ISIS or things like that. It yeah. wasn't that bad. It wasn't, you know, people not with the guns in the street or things like that. <laughs> But uh, it was not, a, you know, the best place in the world to be as a two years old uh, you know, kid. Yeah. But we survived. Yeah, fun of you here.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you 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 stayed there for quite a while. You did your schooling there and went to university. So yes, um,
3: yes, um, we. Can you hear me? Yep. So we, um, yeah, I uh, went to uni there. I finished. Um, um, high school there in a um, one of or probably the best high school in the country. It's uh-huh. like my high school was 200 years old or years old. Oh gosh. It's been called albos College or albo's High School
1: uh-huh.
3: and uh, we have very famous people graduated from that uh, high school. Uh, <laughs> we are very proud of that high school being there graduated <laughs> from there. It's probably something like Knox or something in Sydney. Yeah. I
2: mean? Okay. Uh, is it a private is it a private school or they're all public no, schools?
3: Or? There are Private and public schools, but uh, this one was the oldest um, public high school. Yeah, country. okay. And uh, yeah, but we, we have private high schools as well. Yeah, right. Uh, and I went to uni, um, and I did surveying, um, and um, you know that was it. Um, that's you know, and everything started from then.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so going to university um, is that something that everybody gets to do?
3: You know, it's. Um, Pretty much. (laughs) You know, in countries like China, Iran, India, you know, everyone should go to uni because, you know, it's something everyone do. Yeah. Uh, But uh, the fact is, uh, you know, probably more than 50% of the uni graduates are not doing what they've been trained in uni or they're doing something else. Okay. Uh, So we can can say majority of the people are, are, they have at least the bachelor's degree. Yeah. Uh, it's not just Iran, it's probably China and India as well. Right. But, uh, you know, it's cool. the, the, the um, unemployment rate tells a lot of things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we went to uni. That was a good uni when I uh, was studying um, and, uh, and I did it in a public uni. Uh, mm-hmm. We have also, uh, I mean, the government-funded uni. Uh, the government-funded uni and private unis are two types of education in Iran. And generally, uh, the, pop, the government public, uh, the government-funded uni, is has a better quality and uh, you know has more applicants. And to do so, we have to do a gate examination or entrance examination ah,
2: to see.
3: It's pretty yeah, pretty yeah. similar to HSC or something like that.
2: Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. Doing this, the surveying course over there is it um, the same as what we have in Australia or um is it is it more of a a civil type sort of course
3: well we have uh well when i did the the surveying degree uh there was um surveying was under the civil um degree it was like a civil surveying civil structure and civil hydraulics hydraulics yeah. And, but it was just a name, like it was nothing to do with civil, <laughs> except <laughs> a couple of uh, units like, you know, the statics or the you know, road design or, you know, things like that. But yeah. other than that, it was pure surveying, similar, very similar to what you uh, teach here yeah, or what you uh, study here uh-huh. yeah, uh, as a geomatics or surveying or. Uh, Special science
2: or something. yeah special sciences
3: uh, it's pretty similar uh, it's not what I'm saying it's what uh, Board of Surveys uh, recognizes RPL for my degrees
1: uh-huh.
3: uh, so it's pretty much the same
2: ah, okay um, What made you choose surveying?
3: Well um, firstly I, I forgot to tell you this So how you go to uni in Iran is like you sit for exam and you know it's one day mm-hmm. or five hours. Right and oh, one oh. and one million students like when I did the, yeah. I did the exam one million students sitting on the same exam same day same time and among all these one million there are uh, one hundred thousand people being choose to be able to choose a you know a course in uni ah. among all these one hundred thousand people there are just ten thousand people can go to like a, a engineering or bachelor's degree. But so it's one it's percent of yeah. the population who are doing the exam can go to public or the government funded. You know. So, and when you get, then you get the, the results, uh, you have like two days to choose between whatever courses you have, and it can be from uh pure science to you know the engineering to whatever, yeah. And uh, then you have 100 choices, like literally 100 choices to choose. You have to write them down based on your uh, mark. The, the you know the number stops on one course, oh. <laughs> and you'll and you'll be picked on you'll pick for that. So if I do like one more test correct, I could be studying you know like engineering in another city. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's pretty random, you know? It's like a potluck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it's like lotteries. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and you need to know what you want to do if you, you know, you want to choose, um, if you made your mind about what you want to study, you have to be very careful. And uh, like many others, I didn't know what Savang is. Yeah. And I just, you know, picked something, you in, uh-huh. in a city that i like to be there. Yeah. And, you know, the, the number was, you know, like, I could go to this uni because of, you know, the number that I got and I went to the uni and I started studying surveying and well, the good news is I realized surveying is the only and the exact thing I wanted to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: it's One of those things that was just meant to be. (laughs) Mm,
3: Exactly. When
2: did you, when
3: did you finish uni? Well, I finished uni. I wasn't a very, you know, Good student back in uni. Um, <laughs> I did you know a lot of failures. Oh, I've
2: heard that a few times.
3: I well, I probably not 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 any like I feel like I was the worst. Um, I failed for 20, 24 units in uni, mm. and that was pretty bad. Uh, I was about to be kicked out of the uni. Oh gosh! And <laughs> and lucky they didn't kick me out. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I finished in two thousand and three. Yeah. And, after- uh-huh. three or four, and i went to work straight away like within a month i
2: started my, yeah. so my, my job as a surveyor in uh, iran i'm gonna get wrong yeah. every time iran <laughs> iran i'm oh, sorry <laughs> i'm so sorry yes.
3: no no that's fine that's absolutely fine yeah
2: you can see me kind of going we what is
3: it again? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's what I that's why I you know I changed my name to Evan uh, because you know every everyone was getting in Ryan's. How do you pronounce it? You know, am I telling this you know right or? Yeah, and uh, I, you
2: know I I wasn't,
3: even,
2: I wasn't even gonna go there because I thought if I even try and pronounce your name that you were born with that i'm probably going to get it wrong
3: that's absolutely <laughs> but fine you can, like
2: you you can tell everyone <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah no that's that's absolutely absolutely fine um my my um you know the name that i was born with was ihsan which is e-h-s-a-n and uh when i came to australia and people you know had the same you know same issue pronouncing it yeah you know, how do you pronounce it and you know am i telling it, you know, right or and I said, "Well, what is easier for you?" And I said, "Well, the S is similar to Evan. We have Evan here, and uh, th- that was it. Like I said, okay, Evan, locked in. Evan. Yeah. From now on, I'll be Evan, and I became Evan uh, because all my inner you know, documents are in you know S on Evan in brackets. In, even in board of surveys, they know me as S in brackets. All my plans are signed as you know S in brackets Evan. So this name will be you know my Australian name, and I'm pretty yeah. happy to have that because it gives me." You know, yeah. a lot of meaning and brings me a lot of you know memories. So yeah. I'm pretty happy with
2: that. Oh, that's cool. So you worked. How long did you work in Iran?
3: Well, that's near better. <laughs> <laughs> Getting there.
2: <laughs> way from there. Tell me how long you worked there. And tell me where you went from? <laughs>
3: yeah. So I was there for one, two years. Uh, I was working. All oh, I started working as a. GPS operator in a surveying company, which I had a um, relative running the con- company, and I had, you know, I had this this opportunity to work for them because, you know, no one will probably give a job to fresh uni graduates there. All yeah. well, they will in Australia, but it was not easy, as easy as here in, in, in yeah. Iran. And I had uh, this opportunity to work for them, and I started using the uh, very new GPS receivers, and it was pretty new thing, like. Uh, you know, back in the day, you probably remember that, not all the young surveyors can remember this, how they used to, um, you know, measure the coordinate of tie points of the photos, the aerial photos. Yeah. And that was, that was a nightmare. Like you had to, you know, measure it from a trig station and, mm-hmm. you know, it was really difficult job. And once the GPS uh, um, introduced to the job market in Iran, it was a revolution really yeah and the people call the gps is a global problem solver not a you know, global <laughs> position system <laughs> yeah because it was a you know it was a very you know and we didn't have um you know the drones and things you know yeah. things like that um near map or whatever you have here uh back in the day obviously they do have this now yeah, And uh, we had to have a, like, a, literally a plane had to fly, take photos, and we had to go to the mountains and jungles and whatever mm. and find the toy points, a, a suitable tie point to, for, to, you know, to use it for photogrammetry and producing maps in a, um, what do you call them, the uh, the, the big, massive, massive machines to produce the, the maps, uh, large-scale yeah. maps from the aerial photos. What do you call them? The stereo plotter or
2: something? Um, I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> i can't remember i, I know yeah, what anyway. the other people that i probably say uh, oh.
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i was lucky enough to you know to experience both side of the revolution you know before and after yeah and uh yeah i was uh um, you know i, I was uh, a member of the team of people who were going out there you know picking their tie points and measuring them with a gps which okay. was, you think and because it was a new thing, no one knew how to work with it, how to deal with it, how to measure, how to do the post processing and stuff like that. And I was, you know, because I knew, you know, English probably better than anyone else, mm. I could, you know, check the internet or find resources to know yeah. how to work with them. And I, you know, I grew in the company pretty fast. Yeah. You know, my salary, my position, everything was growing pretty
2: fast. Yeah. Okay. So
3: I was, yeah, that was how it started.
2: Yeah. And so you went through years and then where did you go? Yeah. From?
3: And I went to, uh, I had an opportunity to work for a construction company. It was a road construction company, which had a job in Kazakhstan. And uh, there was a road between Beijing and Moscow, and it's still, well, there is a road. And uh, there, 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 there was a, uh, you know, there was a project defined by, um, you know, different different countries and funded by, um, I think, Global Bank and UN and stuff like that. Okay. And they started that job back in late 90s and it's i think it's still going on in some part so it was a big big wow. job probably the biggest road const- yeah it was the biggest road yeah. construction job in the world so, and we yeah. had a part of it
2: yeah so that was Kaz- kazakhstan and um you said that russia as well so you kind of went between those places yep. mm. so
3: we uh the, the, our job was between like well, it was pretty much on the border with yeah. siberia north of kazakhstan from ostana to omsk which is a capital city of Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sorry, capital city of, um, uh, my apologies, capital city of uh, Siberia. Uh, Astana is capital city of Kazakhstan and Omsk is capital city of Siberia, which is a state in Russia. Mm -hmm. And we had to do, uh, you know, road construction between these. And I was there for uh, more than two years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was running a surveying team of 70 surveyors. Wow! Yeah, seven zero surveyors. <laughs> wow!
2: At what yeah, age? That was a huge. Twenty. Uh, twenty
3: four years. Yeah, twenty four. I was twenty four years, yeah, and I was you know, that's uh, that was probably too much for me. <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: that's, a, that's a massive responsibility for someone. Yeah, who's and not long out in the industry. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and having having said that, and uh, you know, fifty percent of those people, they're not uh, so bad when they're coming to work; they're probably dead, you know drunk or. Yeah, it wasn't like in Australia, zero alcohol policy or oh. something like that. So we had a lot of, you know, strange issues over there. Yeah. And as wow. a four, 24 years old surveyor, <laughs> <laughs> I had to deal with that.
2: <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that, that's a responsibility.
3: <laughs> yeah. Having said that, the safety, you know, wasn't as as serious as you have in here. And I feel like it's not the same as uh, here, you know, many places on the on the, on the Yeah,
2: planet. I think, and, um, you know, back in that time, safety probably wasn't as prevalent as it is now in Australia. But still, yeah, probably, yeah. I think even back then we were still, you know, we had our vests, we had our steel cap boots. Yeah, I remember that. Climb up a a building, you know, where we shouldn't have carrying equipment and stuff, <laughs> um, where that wouldn't happen oh. these days. But I think we were still still pretty good with the safety, but I think Australia yeah. is the forefront of safety now when it comes to yeah, definitely.
3: That's that's what climate. I appreciate because I've seen a lot of bad things happening in front of my eyes. You know, I've been witnessed firsthand what may happen if you don't follow the restrictions yeah. and I'm, yeah. I'm the first one you know Yeah, if i go to construction so i can see i'm wearing this now
2: yes <laughs> have you are you still in your office and you still got your
3: <laughs> no i just i just um, i'm wearing this because i want to you know rise the awareness about safety. no that's um yeah, so it's pretty important. I think safety is something that we take as granted here in yeah. Australia. But you, you know, I've seen a lot of bad things happen in front of me. Some of the bad memories. Yeah. If you ask me what, you know, I, I remember that you asked from your guests um, what was the, you know, oh, yes. what thing happened. Yeah. I had heaps. Like you know, yeah. a lot of bad things happened in front of me. But yeah, hopefully, we do not having the
2: question Sorry. then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that makes you um, a, a lot more aware and of what's going on around you, doesn't it? If you've witnessed these, these things um, on a site, yeah. that, um, it, it gives you a better understanding of what things could go wrong.
3: You'll learn it's, it in a hard way. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
3: definitely.
2: Okay. So we went from Kazakhstan in Russia to India.
3: Yes. Um, yeah, when I came back from Kazakhstan to Iran, because our project was completed and we had to come back, and uh, I had another opportunity uh, to go to India to do the similar thing. Uh, there was a uh, huge uh, construction company in India on the, the Reliance Energy Tech, which is a big, you know, the biggest company in India. I think it's an energy company. Okay. It's like something like, uh, I don't know, like... Uh, the oil petroleum companies you know all around the world so they are like a multi you know functional company but anyway so we had the opportunity to go there and build a road in south india Uh and uh, that road was the one that no one wanted to build that's why they got a contractor from iran to build
2: ah okay
3: (laughs) (laughs) so you can imagine how difficult it would be Sounds in like it's done. Yeah,
2: that
3: that that job was in the government's agenda for like years, uh-huh. and because they couldn't find a contractor to do that, they you know put it on hold till um, <laughs> till we uh, <laughs> decided we to go
2: to and do that.
3: <laughs> Yeah, get it. You know, try to do the adventure over there, and uh, you know the job was not, isn't completed yet. Well, that's the thing. Oh. Uh, the job was done like ninety sense uh, but it's this we can't do anymore right. because you you can imagine how hard is land acquisition in india uh um, you know probably we had to talk to you know 500 people to to acquire like 20 hundred oh, sorry you know 20 a uh, 200 square meter <laughs> right. because you know it's it's not like it's not like anywhere else that you can imagine it's a yeah. different environment different different world pretty much yeah yeah, and it's beautiful, and it's beautiful, and I love it. And but it's different. Uh, so I was there for two years, and I had a lot of good memories um, from India. And that was the first time I met a lot of Australians in the uh, uh-huh. coming to India for like a humanitarian works. And,
1: okay. Yeah. Uh, a
3: lot of things like that. Um, and yeah, that was cool. Um, and I actually before I go to India, I applied for a visa to come to Australia as a skilled immigrant Uh because you know it was being called 175 visa back in the day I think it's called 189 now so it's a independent uh, skilled migration program you should have you know a lot of boxes needs to be ticked and you have to get your qualification and experience everything assessed by uh, organizations Mm -hmm. and then you will have uh, you know, the rights to apply for the visa, and then you apply for a visa, you pay like $10,000 for the, oh, for the God. application. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, it was cool. Anyway, you, you know, it's it's a life changing thing. So, we yeah, that, that was the least, that was the least worry for me to pay. <laughs> me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I applied for that, and I wasn't really sure if I want to do that or, you know, if it's going to go, you know, it's going to happen or, you know, what's going to happen later. Yeah, because it's not a guaranteed thing. So it's a, Granted rights, so uh, you uh-huh. it might be granted, might not, so you don't yeah. know. And uh, it was granted, luckily, after two yeah. years. Yeah.
1: So after.
3: I was, yeah, I was in India one day, and my um, solicitor called me, or immigration agent called me, and said, "Your visa is ready." <laughs> and I said, "What visa? <laughs> what visa? What are you talking about? I almost, forgot, yeah, I, I almost forgot. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. I applied for the visa, and he said, like, yeah, you can't. be you have to come back to the." country and go to the australian embassy and get the visa stamped on your passport because uh-huh. it was something that we had to stamp back in the day
2: yep yep
3: and i said well it takes me a couple of days till i get there <laughs> and he said it's, that's okay and i went there i had to do a couple of medical tests and everything so uh, everything is done and i was ready to you know start a new chapter of my life and uh, we realized that my father-in-law had a terminal disease and we have to, you know, think about what we want to uh. do. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a probably, um, you know, the, your podcast is not a place to talk about immigration and, you know, pains uh. and whatever, but <laughs> I know that, but that's probably the, 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 most important worry for every immigrant or every person who is deciding to change their place of living, yeah. you know, the family that you leave behind Yes. and what's going to happen to them. And uh, my father-in-law uh, had, uh, you know, a very severe disease and we had to decide, you know, what we want to do. We want to do, you know, if we want to go or we want to stay or whatever. Yeah. And we decided to stay for another six months to see what happens. And it will, luckily, his problem stabled and he, you know, he lived for another two, three years. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So we decided after everything was, you know, a bit certain and we could yeah. you know, decide that we want to go and we Got a ticket, came to Australia, and uh, we landed Touchdown in 1st of January 2012. Wow. We've been in the plane on the new year. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow. So you say we, so that's you and your wife?
3: Yes. Yeah. My wife and I um, together came uh, to Australia, and uh, we married back in uni. Yeah.
2: Wow. So
3: we've been together for 18 years. Yeah, 18
2: years now. <laughs> wow. And what does she do?
3: Uh, she's a surveyor as well. Well, like, she was a surveyor as well. Um, yeah, no we started worries. the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. She started surveying in uni. Uh, yeah, we've been in the same class. Um, and that's uh, you know that's a thing that happens in uni. <laughs> 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 you love someone and you want to marry them.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you got married. So she obviously did all the traveling with you to the other countries and stuff.
3: Yes. Yes. She was uh, working as a surveyor and um, uh, mostly not, probably not uh, in the office most of the time. Oh, sorry. He, she was in the office most of the time, but she uh-huh. wasn't in the, in the field. But she was doing this in you know, a surveying calculation, reductions, whatever. Okay. Uh, and yeah, she was working with me all the time in Kazakhstan, in Russia, in India. Oh, and okay. uh, yeah, we came to Australia, but she decided to uh, move on from surveying and, and stuff. Something from scratch. She started Master of uh, Project Management in University of New South Wales and she's doing a lot. She's okay. making more money than me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so she's a smart cookie then, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 no, definitely. <laughs>
2: so where is she working
3: at? Uh, she's, uh, she's in transport for New South Wales for mm-hmm. the last uh, four years, I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, she was in a couple of consultancies, um, like Jacob's and like you names know, yep. over there. Yeah. And uh, she's she's a she's a director of project control in transport New South Wales now. She's yeah, doing okay. well, she's, she's, she's doing better than me. Yeah, <laughs> good on her. Yeah. So that's where
2: yeah. you came from. So that was going to be one of my questions was, um, hmm. what's it like working in different companies, the private companies, and because you worked for transport as well. Um,
3: yes, we I did.
2: Just left, uh, what was that, a year and a half ago or so. To start your own business as well, so yeah, what's yeah, there? definitely.
3: It's 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 um you know it's very interesting uh, journey what my career was. Um, so I you know all around the world I worked everywhere, and I, then I came to Australia, and I started working for you know smaller companies that the size of the company was a lot smaller than the size of the team that I was running back in the day. Yeah, and. Um, and you know, I was not quite successful in the first couple of companies that I started working in. Uh-huh. I've literally been kicked out of the side a couple of times.
2: Do you think <laughs> that because of the the different expectations and the way things are done in Australia than they were overseas? Look,
3: there are a lot of uh, a lot of different things. Um, I started working. Um, in, in a mining industry, like in a mining environment initially when I came to oh, Australia. Because okay. it was mining boom and yeah. everyone was looking for, like back in 2012, 13, yeah. everyone was looking for like a surveyor for, you know, work in a, mining industry, in a mine uh, environment. And a mining uh, environment is so different to what I'm doing now or yeah. what probably most of the surveyors are doing in Sydney. Yes. Uh, and, you know, as a fresh... Um, surveyor from overseas it was a huge challenge for me or even couldn't understand what people are saying they have different total. you know if you, <laughs> you know, if you talk to someone in a in a mining environment it's you probably you know you feel the difference between you talk to someone in sydney or in a big city yeah um uh, it and um and people start you know it's, it's happening, like start bullying you if you have an accent or, you know, you have something like,
1: yeah, right. it's, it's
3: not easy. Like you have, you should be prepared for that. And it wasn't probably the good decision for me to, to be there as, as a first job. And, um, you know, it was hard. And uh, I started working as, a, as an assistant surveyor with my first mentor. Okay. Which uh, you probably know, it was uh, Stu McEvoy in CMS Surveyors. Okay, And uh, he gave me an opportunity to be exposed to the industry at least and, uh, you know, working in, in, in an environment that I was supposed to work for the rest of my life. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it wasn't easy Well, as a, as a person who was running a team of 70 surveyors to become a, you know, trainee, cleaning the car, you know, mm. uh, banging the peg in the ground and, you know, doing a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Uh, It it was it was a huge change, and uh, I was definitely not not ready for that. (laughs) And that was a time that I thought like probably it's not for me. Probably I shouldn't be survey anymore. Probably I should study something else and do
2: Ah, something else. Okay. (laughs)
3: Before
2: we go on to jobs, when you came to Australia, um, because you're now a registered surveyor in New South Wales. So how did the, did you go straight through and try and do the registration process straight away? Or was that you had to get work experience and stuff? And, and, you know, was the degree that you did overseas the same or or recognized as the same here?
3: So firstly, I have to mention this. Um, Look, I've done a lot of studies before I come to Australia, so this is what is important. Everyone should do that if they have the same intention so i was literally reading azimuth magazine for a couple of years before i come to australia okay. <laughs> believe it or not um uh, and you know i was reading the names i was you know being exposed to the you know you know the terminology of the you know surveying in australia what's happening what is that you yeah. know the, the the boundary definition system here was the targeting system so i was pretty much uh, familiar and I knew that, you know, what is the registered surveyor in New South Wales? What should you do? I had all this, you know, all this um, knowledge or information. Yeah. yeah. When I came here, the first thing that I've done, which was a probably good decision, was to get my degree uh, recognised by Board of Surveyors of New South Wales. Yeah. So to immigrate, you have to get your degree being recognised by uh, SSSI, mm-hmm. uh, which being called ISA back in the day, University of Australia.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
3: and um, so that's something that you have to do to get your, you know, that's a, one of the documents that you have to submit for your visa. Okay. But other than that, when you come to, to Australia, whatever state you stay, you have to get your degree being recognized by the Board of Surveyors of that state. And uh, I get my uh, qualification recognized by Board of Surveyors of New South Wales, and that was a good decision because that was the start of the journey to become a registered surveyor yeah okay. and uh, i had all my documents you know translated um through certified copy whatever i had my recognition from sssi or ISA back in the day and it was easy rpl for me you know mm-hmm. it was not hard to get it uh, recognized they checked it you know there was a like a um, fee that i had to pay like 300 or something and in a couple of weeks they came back to me with the letter said you know your degree was equivalent to four years degree in australia okay fine done so that was what i could use as a document i can start the registration process procedure here and you know when you present that to your employer they will have a little bit of confidence that you know you have something that is presentable in australia and yeah they have they have like initial trust in you yeah and then you have to end them all
2: yeah yeah yeah. So, so then you did all your experience and sat the exams. And yeah, definitely. And yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. a hard journey. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, don't, I don't want to go in, into that. That's no, 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 that's the,
2: <laughs> <laughs> For those that want to get registered, there's a lot of work you got to do. <laughs>
3: yeah, probably, probably next uh, part of our interview, I'll, I'll explain the whole thing. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, you, so we are talking about, so you're working for the private companies. Um, and you didn't like the mining, that didn't go down well. Um, so eventually you've just sort of gone through different companies, got more experience and stuff like that. And your last one you've ended up at Transport New South Wales, what were you doing there?
3: Yeah, um, so I uh, worked with, uh, for the, uh, for initially I worked for three different companies and it took like, it was probably three to four months. And I started working the first real job that I've done it was with Project Surveys, which is a, you know, I not know yep. if sure you know them. Yep. Um, so Project Surveys is, is, is a good company. I have a lot to say about them. But that was the first place that I started my career as a surveyor in Australia. So yep. I worked there for one year as a construction surveyor. I was just doing the construction surveys, and it was like a high-rise boom in Sydney then. Yeah. And I had, you know, I had a lot of job to do. And uh, then I uh, moved to another company called Osher & Co., Mm-hmm. And Asher and Co is a company, it's like a mid sized company in, in North Shore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been there for a couple of years, like five years, maybe. Yeah. And um, that was where I, um, you know, I've done most of my registration process. Okay. And I had a good um, mentoring uh, support from um, Anthony Bennett, um, who is a day register there. And uh, then I had an opportunity to go to, Transport for New South Wales. Um, There was a job advertised, and they were looking for a a surveying manager for uh, Transport for New South Wales. And I applied for the job because my wife was working for Transport in the time. Uh, I knew everything about the working culture there, and you know who is doing what, and uh, I knew what I have to tell to be picked. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) So. I went there I did the interview and actually that, that that's funny story I had the interview with my you know to be boss um I had the interview at the same day I had the interview for my urban boundary definition exam for board of surveyors. so I actually did the interview on the on the on the on the you know with the panel and i straight away from that um meeting I went to another meeting with the board of surveyors oh, just to do my yeah <laughs> That was, uh, you know, a day that you, you won't forget.
2: No, definitely.
3: And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pretty well prepared by, you know, by the other people to go yeah. to the first of this mm. meeting. Uh, And yeah, I got a job. I got a job and uh, I worked there for two years as a survey manager for Transport for New South Wales. For those who don't know, Transport for New South Wales is a, um, you know, is a ministry of Transport for New South Wales running all the you know buses trains uh ferries everything in sydney and uh transport Fitness news as well as the division that i was working in was overseeing all sectors like rms like you know city train uh, everything but mm-hmm. it wasn't directly involved with their jobs so it was yeah. like a more policy you know supervision sort of thing uh, yeah. we had like a monthly meeting with everyone like in the in the in, the, in the, um, transport unions as well as like with our men with uh, you know people who are running that business at the moment so we were doing more um, you know project management policy making you know the uh, contract admin things like that it wasn't more more than that it was it wasn't really surveying yeah, so yeah. it was more um uh, directing the you know the the, the 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 direction of our industry in transport as well yeah. so I enjoyed every moment that I worked there. Well, in two years, I had to make a choice. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
3: so if I wanted to stay more, I had to, you know, decide that I'm gonna stay there for next 20 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Because
3: you can't work anywhere else. You get to use to the you know the work style, the, you know, the you know, whatever you do. And, I was like missing the field, like I wasn't doing going to the field. I had to, you know, wear uh, you know formal, you know, dress everywhere, go to paper the paper pusher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was feeling like, oh, where is my field bag? Where is my hammer? I need to, to do something in the field. And uh, you know, it wasn't probably, um, it was an easy decision. Um, I had to, you know, it was like a very good job that I had, and I enjoyed, as I said, enjoyed every moment of it, but. Probably it wasn't something I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. And one day I, I said to my boss, "Like, it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna resign. I'm gonna go somewhere else and do more something else." And and everyone was like, "Really? Why are you gonna do that? What's what's wrong here?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I uh, decided to start um, everything from scratch, pretty much um, mm-hmm. going back to the field become the surveyor the trainee the register surveyor the director the accountant the marketer <laughs> so wearing all these hats
2: yep the one-man band
3: <laughs> and uh it, you know it wasn't easy but again i think that was the right decision to make um it was you know i enjoyed again every moment of it it was hard. i had like a you know staying uh, Awake till like 1am nights and going back to the field fire, 8am the day after. So it wasn't easy, uh, I would say. Um, uh, but, you know, when I look back, I feel like I'm proud of what I've done. Um, you know, it's probably not something that majority of the people will do. You
2: know? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty um, yeah. it's it's pretty tough to be able to, to, to go and do that. Um, yeah, It was yeah. uh, something that was put on LinkedIn, what was it, just before Christmas, where... I said that, you know, who stupidly leaves a government job? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: And I said, me. (laughs) Me too. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I I think there are different type of people, but, you know, people like me want to challenge themselves every day. Yeah. And that's what I do still. Like, I pick the hardest job. uh, You know, I wouldn't pick the easy job. I'll do it, you know, if it's a hard job, I enjoy more. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm investing time and you know my passion in something and you know, I have to get yeah. result from it it harder it is more enjoyable it. Is. the more
2: satisfying and
3: uh, yeah of. exactly yeah. yeah exactly and um, you know I'm, I'm happy like I'll feel like I've done the right thing I'll make it like in five years time I may go back to government and say well you know I've done my experience I'm happy to stay here yeah but this wasn't the thing that I wanted to do when I'm I'm 35 years old you know, yeah I may go back there when I'm like 50 years old or 45 years old but yeah I still feel like I have another ten years, ten good years in the field. <laughs> and yeah, and, and when, when I, yeah, when I when I, when I was when I got registered, everyone was asking me, um, "Have you got any plan signed yet? Where is your first plan? Is it? And I, you know, literally, I wasn't doing anything in transport, and um, you know, I was feeling like oh, I have to get a plan signed because oh, I got yeah. registered for a reason. Yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that
2: was it. Yeah. Okay. So in, in all these positions, like some of this stuff you've, well, you know, you applied for the transport one, but you know, when you were younger, you were thrown into the manager position. So is that something that you always had in, you know, when you've been working and stuff, thinking, oh, I want to climb a ladder, I want to be a manager, or I want to do these sorts of things? Or it's just kind of progressed naturally for you in in the sense of, you know, making those decisions to be a manager, of some sort. Moving back, you know, now running your own business, you might end up having people work for you, sort of thing. It's um, some people that they know straight away that when they start work, they want to be a manager in that area, oh. kind of thing.
3: Well, I do have people working for me at the moment. <laughs> I do. Okay. Cool. Uh, but look, um, I, I I wouldn't call myself super ambitious person. Mm. I wasn't feeling like I've got to do this. Like my wife is totally different. My wife, for example, wants to be you know climbing the ladder, get the better position, do this yeah. and But I was like feeling like you know I'll do whatever makes me happy, whatever you know, benefits everyone else, and you know. But I had some some milestones that I had to meet.
1: Yeah.
3: And like for example, registration was one of them. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm a kind of perfectionist person, but I'm not very super ambitious. So. Yeah um if i you know i probably could be in a better position in government if i would you know do the same thing or, you know, yeah keep going as same, same yeah. who, who i was yeah but uh if i was ambitious i'd probably stay there but uh, because i'm probably more adventurous and wants to try different things and new things and i think everyone wants to be in a better position a better position is not necessarily you know a you know a, better title or a better, you know, yeah. um, higher salary or better income. So it's probably yeah. something makes you more happy in a lifetime, yeah. And uh, definitely, I think, definitely I, think I, yeah, I consider myself someone that wants to do better, but not necessarily better salary, better position, yeah. 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 Fair um,
2: we, <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm
2: just trying to think
3: of, if, um, if I want to talk, I'll talk.
2: You know, yeah, I know you will. <laughs> you know, we we sort of said that you, you know, still you kind of. I think it was what October or so around that time, two thousand and nineteen, that you started your business. Um, we yep. had the pandemic. What a
3: time!
2: Yeah, I know. What a time! <laughs> uh, February, March, so whenever it was that the pandemic sort of hit. So, how has that affected your business?
3: You didn't affect at all. <laughs> That's a short answer. <laughs> <laughs> but the long answer is, uh, it you know, it definitely did affect everyone's life. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it's it. The world is not going to be the same anymore. At no. least for a you know a couple of days or a couple of years or decades or who knows.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, well, I was feeling a bit afraid when it started because I had a I had a plan to you know grow faster than what I, you know what I'm doing now. Uh-huh. And I had a you know I had a you know certain. Decisions that I had to make and you know become you know, bigger and more busy. Uh, the thing is, um, we, bec- we I was busy. I was pretty busy every day. Like uh, yeah. the reason was why. Uh, the reason why it it was because um, you know the government decisions uh, was probably good decisions at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, um, you know, they tr- because I was still connected with the transport news as well. I knew that you know a lot of new projects are happening, and they're trying to, you know, the boost the economy through you know uh, pumping projects to get done and get the businesses busy. And mm-hmm. I knew that uh, you know the government trying to 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 inject money into the housing industry and the construction yeah. industry. And that's why, like for example, I was competing in a uh, probably. You know, smaller jobs like houses, extensions, renovation, sort of thing. And this industry was boom like yeah. in the last year, it, because government was giving like funds and grants or whatever. Everyone wants to wants to do something. Like they yeah. wanted to do extension, if, even if they didn't want it to do in last ten years, they decided to do this last year. Well, they so,
2: time. So what else can they do, huh? Yeah. <laughs>
3: Exactly, like that was the nature of the pandemic. I think people wants to have more spaces and get a bigger house and yeah. they, they're not traveling as much as they used to. Mm. And uh, you know, it wasn't bad for me. I wouldn't complain. Uh, I was like, I was rejecting jobs pretty much. And, yeah. and, um, yeah, and um, uh, yeah, it was good. Like, But as I said, like life was changed. For example, you know, everyone was, had to work from home.
1: Yeah. I wanted to get an
3: office when I started. And I've realized that no one's going to office anymore. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> and if I get an office, I just have to travel to office by myself. It was fine. Yeah.
1: The yep. <laughs> and
2: the other, yeah. the other thing I've noticed um, speaking to different people is that before even this happened, a lot of companies were moving away from it anyway. So this has been the catalyst for people to go, we don't need an office. We can all do that's everything good. we need to do from our home offices, and just send the boys, the guys, the girls off to their jobs straight from their home instead of coming into an office and then going out to a job and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, and that's
3: what I've that's what I've you uh, notice as well. Like no one's really going to the office anymore. But uh, having said that, I'm not a fan of walking from home no for two re- for two reasons <laughs> the <laughs> first reason is the first reason is my wife is walking from home and makes me crazy
1: <laughs> she talking on. Me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's what i'm saying so she's talking loudly all the time you know in yeah. meetings zoom meetings everything so it's not home anymore it's not no. office at home and you know everything should be arranged in a different way now everyone should be in their rooms if you know, it's it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, that's one reason. The second reason is I don't believe that, uh, you know, uh, efficient teams will be built through Teams or Zoom or whatever you have. For, mm. like, you person. need that personal so, contact, don't you? Definitely. That I yeah. was listening to a podcast and the, 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 the mentor, the person who is, I think it was, his name is Simon Simek or something like that. So I'm very uh, listening to his um, voices, And all he was saying was, you um, the, the, the relationships within the team will not be built through the, the actual meetings. It will be built between the meetings. Yeah. So, you know, you, when you talk with someone saying, how is your life, you know, have you done, finish your you know, house in the project? Or, and it, that's when you build a relationship. It's yeah. not when you sit around the table and talking about the matter. Yeah. So I'm not really a fan of, you know, remote working, but um, we are not really remote working. It's just arrangement of the work will be done remotely so mm. we still have to go and uh, lock literally when I was when it was locked down in northern beaches like two weeks three weeks ago I yeah. actually had a lot of jobs in northern beaches I had to go there physically uh, and I was probably the, the only person <laughs> going to the, the job in that area uh, because you know we don't have much you know contact with the people um, and firstly and secondly we couldn't do it from home we had to no, uh, you, you gotta go there be, measure okay. stuff yeah, yeah. So I have not experienced that remote working as much as everyone else does, mm. but I feel like it's gonna change the way that we work in the future.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, current state of our profession, what are your thoughts on it?
3: Current stage. <laughs> um, look, um, I feel like I was lucky enough to so firstly, from my perspective i was lucky enough to work with you know t16 you know writing down the stuff and and also i've experienced working with laser scanner and you know drones and stuff so i've seen both sides of uh, you know the story uh and you know i was probably the only generation had that this you know two sides of the story uh well you know i mean it's generation probably you know you Mm -hmm. as well but the whole generation (laughs) (laughs) um and um I think like we are we are going toward a um a you know as as well as every other industry we are going to getting things done easier yeah uh and it's obviously benefits everyone um i i I actually remember that someone told me one day that uh, from measuring we are moving toward capturing so we used to measure stuff now we're capturing stuff uh this has a lot of you know positive Points and negative points. Um, you know, again, I'm not a fan of laser scanning or drones. You know, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't like. I've engaged laser scanning guys a lot of time for my projects, but um, you know, it's not my cup of tea. It's, I'm not doing laser scanning myself because you know I feel like surveying had to do something else. <laughs> you know, laser scanner is a job. is a good job. It's very you know developed. Uh, um, you know technology, mm. instruments, but it's not really surveying unless the surveyor helps them to get it done properly. So I think I, I posted something on LinkedIn a couple of months ago and uh, I posted a photo of uh, Opera House uh, and the surveyor was uh, you know, doing something some measurements next to the Opera House and I, was, I, I wrote on the post that things were uh, better than uh, surveying was not just pushing your button. And it was backlash to me. A lot of people were saying, oh, don't blame technology for this. It's not technology, things like that. And, and I think people didn't get the point because I was saying like, you know, then uh, surveying was, you know, doing a lot of calculations and, you measurements and interpreting, uh, you know, knowing, having the knowledge of surveying, uh, the outcome was definitely in a higher quality. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, who is using the technology is, not delivering a high quality product, but I'm saying that the the, the pace of the you know the job the, the you know that as you know the technology that the instruments that we have mm-hmm. made the jobs to, to be done faster a lot quicker a lot yeah. quicker yeah, and and of course a lot cheaper <laughs> which is not good <laughs> and, <laughs> and the outcome is not uh, probably satisfying for everyone the outcome is like we have like ten percent of high quality good jobs. But ninety percent of the you know delivered products are, doesn't have the, the, the you know as good as quality as they used to have back in
1: the day. Mm, yeah.
3: So I'm looking at some plans. I actually had the same thing. Like I look at some plans was done like registered five years ago, five months ago. Yeah. You know, I find like a discrepancy between marks. You know, thirty mil between two wings. And I feel like you know something's wrong here. But I, I took a plan from 1985 like I go to the site, measured yeah. that, millimeter accurate, yeah. like millimeter, literally. And I'm not saying everything is like this, but you know I feel like when Savang wasn't as quick as what it is now, uh, we had probably, and was well, probably not as cheap as it is now, mm. uh, <laughs> we had better, uh, higher quality products.
2: Do you think that it's, um- everybody's just pushed to do more and more and more. So they're taking less care in what they do. Maybe? Look,
3: well, the, the demand is in the market. So, um, you know, if if we don't do that, um, well, I'm not saying we have to do that, but if, if we don't um, deliver as quick as we do deliver now, in you know, the job, uh, then, uh, you know, a lot of jobs will be waiting for surveyors to do and we obviously have a shortage in surveying industry for the you know, manpower and the resources. So probably there is no other choice unless they train more surveyors, you know, probably know get more surveyors from overseas or, you know, whatever we can do to fill the gap. Uh, but uh, yes, there is a push, mm. understand? And this push will uh, put the pressure on everyone, not just surveyors in the field, not just, um, you know, LRS, not just Surveyor General. It put a push on everyone. And in you know, the final product, we have, you know, a lot higher quantity, but probably the average of quality will be lower.
2: Mm, interesting.
3: Yeah, that's more that's my point of view, but yeah, maybe... No, that's, have different...
2: that's what this is all about. Everybody giving their <laughs> point of view on what they think and <laughs> of, of technology, industry, profession, and all that kind of stuff.
3: <laughs> um, yeah i mean i'm not an old man saying like you know we have to go back to the stone age and, you know, don't, the, I'm, I'm using the technology every day and I'm, i appreciate the laser scanners, drones whatever i'm, I'm yeah. used literally you know all these technologies but really we have to you know take care about what we deliver as a surveyors because you know the, the, the quality of our uh, you know our uh, surveying which probably cannot be seen as uh, you know, first thing, if someone looks at the plan, they don't really realize what is the quality of the plan unless they see the colors and, you know, the title block and stuff. But the quality is behind the scene. The quality is what is probably another surveyor can understand or a designer can understand when they get into the construction stage. Yeah. So it is very difficult to assess the quality of surveying work.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Do you regret your decision to become a surveyor?
3: Absolutely not. <laughs> well, sometimes I feel like you know it's it's really um, you know sometimes something happens like you know for example in in the COVID pandemic I was feeling like maybe it was better if I was a doctor or nurse I could help more people things like that uh-huh. uh, you know <laughs> or if 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 uh, you know in a bushfire time I feel like if, even if I was a, like a fireman or something I could help more. But uh, g- you know generally I'm a bit of you know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I feel like you know surveying probably was if I wanted to think about what I want to be and I knew all this knowledge that I have now and I knew myself as much as I know myself now, yeah I probably will choose the same thing because that's probably. And I was lucky to, to be like that, not everyone. Like literally we had teddy students in our uh, school in Air Munich mm-hmm. and in, in each year we had like a teddy teddy part. And among all those teddy students, just two became a surveyor oh wow survey, like like a land survey you know Yes. Yeah. you know they probably more than 50 percent of them done their postgraduate degrees phd whatever the academics they're teaching in unis all around oh, the world okay. in the states in europe um, the others went to the like a design in uh town planning you know gis things like that but you know just two how many percent is it like two of 30 30 so probably six percent is it yeah six yeah, percent of the population of their students became you know ended up being a surveyor and it's not good <laughs> but there is a reason for that i can tell you now there is a reason for that and well, that's that's a, that's a that's a debate that we probably had to have with uh, michelle or you know the, your previous um guest mm-hmm. uh, or people in the in the in the you know, association of consulting surveyors or Institute of surveyors surveying is a very very hard job you know, it is difficult and you probably know that better, better than anyone else mm-hmm. it's you know it, the, the level of responsibility you know, everyone blames surveyors in the field oh, know, because agree. they don't know what they do you <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> something went wrong who, who whose mistake is it that. <laughs> the level of responsibility is boom the level of difficulty you got to work on site under the sun rain you know uh mail mm-hmm. shine whatever uh, you know, plus 50 degrees, minus 50 degrees. I experienced both. I was working in Russia in minus 35 degrees, and I was working in India plus 50 degrees. So I can yeah. see, like in Australia, be lucky not to have that extreme, extreme weather. Degrees. But yeah. yeah, but you know, that's what it is. Like i worked in Australia in 40 degrees, sometimes 34, 38 degrees. Like today was 33 degrees. I was working west. So it's hard. It's not an easy job. Mm. And the wages are not really satisfying like comparing surveyors wages to like, for example, project management people or civil. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's ridiculous. And mm. there is a reason for that because surveying uh, industry probably uh, was not appreciated from the industry, was not known enough, was not, I don't know, careful enough about their, you know, their importance in the industry. We need to do something. And it's not in, just in Australia. It's the same all around the world. Like I've experienced in, you know, three continents, same thing. Yeah. You know
2: what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny you say that because I remember um, one of one of the girls that I speak to in America. She was saying that um, there some something is going through over there where they're changing um, the actual where the qualification sits because they their wage is so low that it's going to actually be put into a professional qualification bucket you know of what they look at of money i mean i don't know the whole thing about it but yeah it's the same kind of thing that they they were marked as blue collar workers or something when they're professionals and they've gone through all of this sort of stuff so yeah i see what you the think. reason why
3: i'm yeah the reason why i'm saying is uh, you know as as much as we have to do initiatives like get kids in the survey or what you do or what you know the podcast and all that advertisement that happening around the industry which is very you know important and necessary to get more people involved mm. but we we have a bigger problem that we have to think about and that's you know are we being paid enough to you know to what we do uh, and this is something that I can't do it for myself you know people in whatever company can do it Association of and cannot do it. So it's something that we have to all together think about it and you know take an action about it. Yeah. And I think it's I know quite that easy. there's
2: been discussions about it. Um. So well, I, I I dare say that you know it will be coming up again probably this year. Look, let me tell
3: you a, a quick story about something that I've seen by myself as you a know, first hand person. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, you know, I'm very uh, curious about, you know, what's happening in the industry. I'm, you know, joining dots and you know, trying to find that, you know, the, the, the pattern and what's happening. So one of the things that I've noticed was um, uh, everyone knows what is wrong. Everyone knows, you know, what we have to do, but there are a lot of obstacles that we cannot take action. We cannot do certain things. One example. If you look at the, uh, I won't name anyone or anything, but if you look at the the, the boundary surveying, uh, uh, the leaflet or the, the, the information sheet from the Board of Surveyors, uh, you know they put some example as a good boundary surveying, some bad boundary surveying. This is not boundary surveying if you do that. This is a, you know, they just give information, general information to public, mm-hmm. and they used a bad example as a company who's. Giving wrong information, misleading information to people, and they actually captured a you know a part of their website, and uh, if you look at that, if you know the companies, you can realize what company is there. Mm-hmm. That company is still operating and you know working in the industry. That means like you know from years ago, you know for example, board of Surveying knew what company is doing what, and you know, but they couldn't do much or they probably didn't want to do something about them or there are a lot of reasons. I don't know. Like I'm not, you know, I don't know a lot of things about what's happening in the background. Yeah. But I know that probably everyone knows what's wrong, but they still have to do a lot of things to get things. Yeah,
2: better. I think it's a very hard thing to um to be able to to manage each. It's a big job. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't have it's much not, do it's, it's, the boundaries it's, all the there. boundaries that are stuck so it's uh
3: <laughs> no it's just just a gen,
2: just an but, example
3: you know, of you know yeah. what's happening so i'm just saying that you know our industry needs more uh you know more um to be more unified more and better uh in a way that um you know we can benefit everyone you know
2: yeah i think not that's just about yeah, money
3: but, you know it's You know, I've done, you know, I myself, I've probably done a lot of jobs that uh, was a lot cheaper than the, you know, average in the industry, just because to kick out someone else from the market, which, because I knew that company is not doing the right thing. I did something that, you know, I had to charge them for like, for example, $1,000. I've done that for $500 because I didn't want someone else who is dying a bad, who is doing a bad job to do that job. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's not something that I can do by myself. I can't, you know, sacrifice myself, you know, every time or every day just to give them a lesson. Um,
2: but but you're not. But in in the long run, you you're not. I don't think you're really teaching them a lesson either.
3: <laughs> Never, yeah. Well. I oh know that's what I'm saying. At, at the end of the day, I'll be the, the only one who is, you know, being uh, affected by this. Yes. Trend.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
3: And that's not good. Um, every time I try to teach them something I'll, I'll, if, if, even if I, if I do this I'll tell the block like my client look this is what I have to charge you for this but you know you need to know what's your rights what you have to do what's the right thing to do
2: and, I think you know, I think that's the point there that people don't know and understand exactly what a surveyor does and the importance mm-hmm. of of our work um, and Definitely. I think that needs to have more education um, around that um, which I know I'm pretty sure it was Craig Sandy said something about that as well. And I know that, um, you know, there has been talk at, at, at other at the ACS and all that sort of stuff as well, that things like that, you know, as well as just, yeah, getting kids into survey and everything that people need to yeah, know. Yeah, exactly
3: yeah well that's that's the thing like that's what i was trying to say like all these initiatives are important but probably the most important thing to get people in you know encouraged to come into the industry is to show them this industry is is not an easy job but it's being well paid yeah and it has to be well paid Mm. uh yeah that's one of the things i wanted to mention (laughs) (laughs) anyways and when i say like i'm doing something you know uh, lower than the price it's not because you know it's not I'm, i'm bidding like a like a you know normal company, I know that some you know it is a company that doing a lot of dodgy stuff, and I have to you know kick them out of the market just to you know not to get someone in trouble. You know, what I mean? mm. so and I, I actually by myself I rejected a lot of jobs because I knew that like for example this company is local to this area. I'm giving you a price, and you know they are giving you a lower price. Give it to them because they're local. We encouraging the you know local businesses and things like that. So. Oh, I understand these, you know, principles, but as mm. I said, uh, you know, it's important to be more unified in the industry as, 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 a, as, a, as a big, uh, you know, as a big uh, team. Of the mm. Anyways. <laughs> this is a debate that I think was going on in the industry for probably last. Oh,
2: it's been going eight. on for, yeah,
3: yeah, a very
2: long time. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh,
3: Sorry, I lost your voice. <laughs> Can you hear me?
2: I cannot hear you.
0: Uh, okay. So, what motivates
2: you? What motivates you? Uh, in what survey? <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> in life? In surveying? In, yeah, look, in- um. <laughs>
3: I think um, um, what motivates me in life is, you know, being um, a better person, not regretting, you know, what I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I think, the motivation in life for me. Um, I'm trying to do something that um, makes me happier, you know, you know, gives me better feeling um, yeah. in, a good, in a good way. <laughs> yep. uh, uh, and um, in, in, in working, like working is a very important part of my life and everyone else's life. I had a lot of uh, people came to me because in our community, in, in like a Farsi speaking community, in Persian speaking community, a lot of people know me as a, you know, the first, you know, registered surveyor in a, in a, in a Persian speaking community. Mm-hmm. And they come to me and ask me a lot of questions. And, you know, if you want to become a surveyor, what is that, you know, that procedure, is it a good thing to do? And I'll tell them all the time, like people from all walks of life, um, you know, some of them have a you know, degree in civil, in architecture, in whatever. And I'll tell them, look, you got to do what you like to do because you'll spend like more than uh, probably half your life in doing what you do as your job. Yeah. So if you, it's probably a a cliche or a stereotype saying do, um, you know, what you love to do. But it's literally like back in Iran, for example, I probably had to do something that I can do to survive. Mm. But here I have to do what I love. That's yeah. why I came to Australia, and uh, that's my advice to everyone. Like, if you enjoy, you know, playing theatre, just go for it. You're gonna make a lot of money by Not not now. It's in pandemic, but <laughs> if you enjoy, you know, playing guitar, um, just you know, start playing guitar. Um, if you like surveying, if you like, if you enjoy nature, you know, if you like having a brown steak, you know, watching you in the field. <laughs> <you> do, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. but uh, you know if you like nature if you don't <laughs> if you don't mind you know being uh, you know walking eight hours a day if you don't mind uh, you know talking to people from um, you know blue collar uh, sort of uh, you know background then surveying is good for you that that's who I am mm-hmm. but if you like sitting in the office talking to managers you know talking over the zoom meetings and everything today that's probably surveying is not you know yeah for you yeah and um, i feel like you know doing what i love is the biggest motivation and i do what i, do. I, yeah. I love to do nice.
2: yeah how do you relax sorry how do you relax
3: How <laughs> oh, do i relax okay
2: do you relax? maybe i should take- what? say
3: <laughs> <laughs> what <the> what? <laughs> yeah no, well um, I uh, do uh, relax, Uh, probably the easiest way to get relaxed is drinking (laughs) 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 for me. Because for doing everything else, you know, you have to do prepare, you know, preparation and you, know, you probably do a lot of things to get relaxed. <laughs> Just a quick, quick way, a, a shortcut is drinking for me, but I'm joking. Now, I'll do um, a lot of things that I like to do to, to get relaxed. Like, for example, talking to you in a podcast is one of the things that makes me relax and gives me a lot of energy. I probably can't sleep till 12. But
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, seriously.
3: Seriously. If I, uh, you know, do something that I like to do, like for example, I was producing a lot of, in you know, podcasts like yeah. we do, and the, you know, writing, you know, stories or writing my in, in my weblog or you know, you know, reading about politics. A lot of things I do too. Yeah. Probably politics. Politics is not something that gets you like. No, I, I like it. Like it's it's my passion. I love it. And, uh, you know, I do something that I like to relax, and, and, and uh, you know, uh, obviously, family also gives you probably playing yeah. with my with my kid or, you know, spending time with family. Yeah. Having brunch on Saturday mornings, things like that. <laughs> it's probably yeah. the only uh, opportunity I have to relax. But other yeah. than that, I work seven
2: yeah. uh,
3: days, 12 hours every day. So
2: Yeah, your own business, it makes it hard. <laughs> Yeah, so. mm. where's the most unusual place you've been?
3: Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> uh well I've been uh unusual like okay. of everywhere I was working um was unusual probably. Mm. Uh, Australia? No <laughs> <laughs>
2: Unusual uh, well, um, everywhere. Where else you were? Babe. Yeah.
3: Well, that's that's the thing. Like you know, we say the new normal is what we do now. The, the, the unusual for me is Australia because I've been um, you know all around the world. But uh, uh, yeah, comparing to Australia, unusual probably was um, maybe North Kazakhstan. Uh-huh. And there are a lot of things left over from the time the Soviet Union time.
2: Ah, oh, okay. And
3: for example, like um, you know, the, the space, uh, you know, the Baikonur, there's the space uh, station where they sh- they um, launch the missiles and stuff to the to you know to the you know to the space. Obviously, yeah. that's that's in my Kazakhstan. So a lot of things left over from the Soviet Union, and you, you feel like you find a lot of mysterious things that mm-hmm. is you know abandoned and not being used anymore, but they probably been you know a busy uh, high security you know secret place back in the day in, in and the, they're you
2: know, just the not
3: no, just yeah abandoned and it's like a you know ruins or like a you see a factory has some doors going on the ground and there's like a massive salons on the ground. same <sighs> you feel good. like you know it's <laughs> and it's like <laughs> in the middle of a desert you, you know it's something in the middle of nova and yeah. you don't expect to have that there Huh. And uh, yeah, so it's yeah a lot of unusual things uh, I've seen over there. <laughs> and uh, and oh. for example, the, there was a lot of quarries, uh, a lot of um, mines and stuff that was left over from. And you can see a lot of very massive, deep holes, and you can't even see or feel how deep it is or how big it is. Oh, and yeah, 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 it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's beautiful, but uh, you find a lot of uh, you know unusual things over there
2: yeah i I bet yeah <laughs> yeah
3: but probably, but let me tell you something the, the the most unusual thing I'm coming from Iran like I've seen a lot of unusual things yeah. in Iran, like you know historical places things like you know? that yeah uh, but one thing that I've uh very fascinated about was the the granada city in Spain in South Spain. Have
2: you been there? no.
3: Yeah, Granada is, it used to be the, the capital of, you know, the Andalusia, you know, Arab Empire back in the day, okay. and it has a an old um, castle or, call um, it called? Castle, yeah, castle or, um, you know, the, the, the place that the Sultan or King used to live in there, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's been called Alhamra uh, Castle, or Alhamra. I don't know. Uh, so it's it's you know that there, there is a ruins of that that, that area still and it's the top of a mountain and it's surrounded by gardens and beautiful landscape. Oh,
2: wow, that
3: was magical. That they, they called it magical city, and it's if someone's going to Europe or South Europe, oh, I definitely recommend that. That's um, beautiful. Well, I'll have still. to put
2: that on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get yeah,
3: there still <laughs> yeah, beautiful, oh, so beautiful. Oh,
2: I'm gonna look yeah. up on
3: that for sure. Yeah.
2: Uh, Would you rather have a get-out-of-jail card or a key that opens any door?
3: Uh, (laughs) Another thing. So, (laughs) uh, I probably would, well, I think I will choose uh, having a key to open all doors. Um, But being in a jail is not necessarily a bad thing if you are from Iran. (laughs) Because in some, you know, in some kind of countries, um, you know, good people are in jail. You know prisoner of consciousness or you know political prisoners or you know people with no crime or nothing in jail you know we had some examples from australia um a couple of months ago uh, released from iran so um i wanted to mention that uh, that's that's a hard uh, you know thing that we have to teach to kids in iran mm-hmm. to, to you know to teach them people in jail are not necessarily bad people yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they yeah.
3: might be there for a good reason so I probably will choose uh, having the key to my elbows to to release all those bits, you know. <laughs> <everybody else. laughs>
2: if you see a puddle on the ground, do you walk over it, walk walk around it, jump over it, or jump in it?
3: I will I'll walk around it one hundred percent. I'm not a fighter.
2: uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, jump straight in it.
3: <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's why I'm here, you know, I had a lot, of, you know, I had a lot of, you know, things that I didn't like in Iran, I had to fight against them or change things if I was one, if I wanted to jump into the bottle. So I decided to move like 14,000 kilometers <laughs> further, just to, you know, walk around the bottle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if you had a superpower, what would it be?
3: Ooh, uh, that probably will be convincing everyone that I'm right.
2: <laughs> okay <laughs> good luck with that one <laughs>
3: <laughs> because i think like uh, when we be having a discussion with someone trying to convince them that what i'm saying is is right or true you know you never you never win um, you know 90% of the time. yeah so <laughs> probably and 90% of the time or 95% or 99% of the time i'm right <laughs> because <laughs> i think I that yeah so that's probably what I
2: wanted to have. <laughs> uh, what would be the title of your memoir? Memoir I title. Don't... Don't oh. I'm <laughs>
3: probably always. Would try. Be... Yeah. Would be... Well, I tried to listen to some of your, your challenging questions to get prepared, but I, well, I forgot this one. <laughs> um, I don't
2: know that I've asked this one.
3: <laughs> yeah. So You're probably right, that I'm would be. One. Yeah. Yeah. So probably that would be. You know um the man who knew um, you know life was not uh, they um, you know the the party the, the that you are uh, invited to but he danced all the night
2: ah. <laughs> 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 oh, let's leave it on <laughs> that note that is awesome. <laughs> Uh, I I'll
3: pick picked different things from different
1: uh, you crack
2: me <laughs> up <laughs> but, uh, anyway. all right quick shot yes no uh, hot cold all right yeah, sure, sure. coffee or tea
3: well, both, both? <laughs> i'll have a cup of t- tea in the morning because we are a tea person coming from that background uh-huh. but i became a coffee person in australia so i can't start my day without coffee so i'll have a tea first and in half an hour i'll have my
2: coffee <laughs> With me. Yeah. Cat or dog?
3: 100% dog.
2: Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise, 100%. Summer or winter?
3: morning person. Summer or winter? Well, you will be surprised. Winter.
2: Okay. Roller- <laughs> yeah, surprise. Yeah. Roller coasters, no. i all hate them.
3: Okay, so let me tell you something about the previous oh, Yes. Winter, because if it's winter, you can put a jacket on. But if it's summer and you have to walk in 40 degrees, there's nothing you can do.
2: Yeah i agree with some survey
3: surveyors reply
2: yes it is a survey. <laughs> i just think summer oh i can go to the beach <laughs>
3: yeah well yeah 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 but you
2: know forget about work beach
3: yeah
2: <laughs> right, roller coasters love or hate
3: uh well i used to hate but i love them now
2: okay three items it's thing. to a desert island
3: two items just two three,
2: three. Oh, three.
3: Okay. Three, three, uh, probably will be my mobile phone. <laughs> is there any reception
2: there? <laughs> maybe, maybe not.
3: <laughs> well, if there is a reception, I'll just get one item, my mobile phone. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> but well, I know that I'll have to say my family, my, well, I don't know, my wife, my son, whatever. But, yeah, you know, don't
2: have to say that. You might yeah, not well, want to go with them. <laughs>
3: No, I mean, if if I <laughs> if I want to be in a desert island, and uh, you know, if I have my three year old son around there, I have to find something to keep him busy. So it's probably yeah. another issue. Yeah. So, <laughs> so probably my phone will be enough.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> favorite song. A
3: uh, song, song. Uh, look, I it's a bit uh, cheesy, but um, I I was um I was into like old um music. Well, when I was in Iran like I want to talk about non-Iranian music I have to say like we had you know we had a you know it's it's not short answer so we had a uh, <laughs> we had a uh, delay to get you know new music into the, come into the country because of the censorship and you know it was not in no internet back in the day so I grew up with um, you know 80s or 70s music
1: uh-huh
3: with like Pink Floyd or Beatles or things yeah. like that yeah so I'm, I'm much into them uh but my um, favorite singer probably it's not you know, interesting it's Christy beck which probably not known in australia much oh, and yeah. the, the reason why he's, he's he's an irish british singer yeah. and the reason why i love her i love him is uh you know i started translating his his, his lyrics into persian and that's how i improved my english oh so, okay. so i know all the lyrics and you know i'll you know i lived with them
1: yeah
3: so you know that well I can't tell a like, lot what probably if I want to pick one song and probably no one knows what its song is but like I will, probably will pick Spanish Train mm-hmm. which is a song by Christy Beck.
2: Okay. Cool. Yeah. Favorite book.
3: Uh favorite book oh again there are a lot of you know Persian books that no one knows so I wouldn't mention them. Uh probably uh, I think Animal Farm. uh okay. animal farm will be the favorite book that I
2: 100%. introvert or extrovert
3: introvert 100% <laughs> you wouldn't
2: doubt <laughs> is the glass half full or half empty
3: uh glass is always half empty Almost one thing empty, you'd
2: it. never do again
3: uh one thing i never do again <laughs> like <sighs> Uh, probably uh, I wouldn't make as much as uh, people I made upset uh, I, was, I was very you know, very yeah, arguing with everyone and you know, when I was younger I was mm-hmm. trying to, i probably okay, so there's a good example, like with my parents I probably wouldn't wouldn't uh, in my teenage time or when I was growing, I probably wouldn't argue with them as much as I did
1: yeah.
3: Hopefully they're proud of me now. I'm all, my dad passed away a couple years ago, but um, probably, you know, um often well I think everyone's the same, isn't it? Like we have teenage kids.
2: Yeah, most people.
3: Yeah.
2: Most mm. people do. Who knows you best? This is
3: this is what you realise when you when you become a parent. Yeah. That's you know. Yeah.
2: That's it.
3: Definitely. Okay, next question.
2: Who knows you best? <laughs>
3: Uh, well, if my wife doesn't know it the best, probably something is wrong, but, uh, probably <laughs> no one knows me the best <laughs> Well, probably the best, probably yeah. the best person knows me is my wife, but she doesn't know me now.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> because I'm introvert. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you
2: know? If you had a warning label, what would it be? Uh,
3: that's one of the things that i talked about. I, I thought about it. Uh, that's definitely will be think twice if you want to travel with me yeah uh, yeah <laughs> it's not gonna be a, it's not gonna be an easy journey
2: <laughs> favorite food
3: favorite food again a lot of persian foods that no one knows about them so i want to mention them uh but i'm in love with kebab <laughs> okay. okay and if if i want to pick something from australia it will be uh, meat pie. And I try to. I I will try meat pies every every you know every yeah. local place I go. I try to you know get meat pie tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, but kebab is not not the kebab that you know as like a you know kebab that you have in Australia, but like a more like a barbecued kebab. On the
2: skewer.
3: Like yeah, meat? on the skewer. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Favorite drink.
2: Favorite uh, drink. Uh, Well, I think beer
3: is not considered as as a drink.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. Because, you know, in Russia, Russia they say, if you drink beer without vodka, it is waste of beer. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) literally, they put vodka in beer every time. Like, they have, like, a shot putting in the beer. Anyway, uh, no, I'm not into vodka, unfortunately. Mm, Uh I will uh, love a whiskey. I'm a whiskey
2: Uh partner. Whiskey. Fair enough.
3: Um, proudest moment. Proudest moment, apart from life, you know, Mm -hmm. things like having my kid in my hand, whatever. It's not really proud. Like, would you be proud having a kid in your hand? Like, you haven't done much to have the kid. It's more important (laughs) how to rise the kid. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, you know, it's like sometimes people say, I'm proud of being like from whatever country. Like, why should you be proud of doing something you have no choice to, to, yeah. to be like i'm proud like i'm proud of australia now because i've done a lot of things to become australian yeah, yeah, yeah. i can't tell that yes yeah. but probably i don't know you probably can say that <laughs> because you know i was you know if i was uh, i was born in an australian family i would you know automatically become australian yeah. so yeah. i can't be proud of something else. anyway uh the proudest moment is probably for me getting my registration i think mm mm-hmm. And probably, yeah, I think, you know, the most recent one. Yeah. that, A lot of things happened, like completion of every job that I've done, and yeah. I was very really proud of what I've done. Yeah. But, you know, something that I can mention is getting my uh, registration certificate from Narelle. And that was a very proud moment. And I had no one by my side <laughs> to celebrate that moment. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, that's a long story, but yeah, <laughs> anyway. And yeah. I even don't have a photo, I don't have a photo, I have nothing, like I have to, yeah, I have to show my co-op to everyone.
2: Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. On a scale uh, yeah. of 1 to 10, how cool are you?
3: Oh, it's pretty hot now, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I'm, oh, this something I can tell, people, the other people would say, I'm, I'm, I'm cool, I think yeah, cool. 1 to 10, yeah, like 7-ish,
2: okay. 6.5. Point, six point Six five, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> dream car.
3: A dream car, like it's definitely gonna be something like Ferrari or Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's a dream car, like something that okay. I'll never buy. Yeah. <laughs> but be- not because I can afford. Like obviously I can afford, uh, but um, it's not because I can afford. It's because I feel like if you drive uh, like three thousand hundred or like two hundred thousand dollar car in australia which you cannot speed more than 60k in the street what's the point
2: yeah
3: uh, so that's why i wouldn't buy a ferrari in australia <laughs> but, but that's that's a dream car favorite color
2: favorite color uh
3: it's gonna be green i think
2: green yeah. apple or android apple 100 mm-hmm.
3: well i don't like apple Like I, I'm, I'm against apple i, I hate apple but yeah. i'm apple person
2: i <laughs> a lot of people who use apple hate apple because they yeah. constrict you so much but uh it's so easy to use isn't it
3: yeah you can have a have a cake and eat it like it's yeah. apple is so easy to use quick
2: efficient
3: mm. you know a bit yeah. good quality service custom awesome service so yeah. i hope Android was as good as that
2: <laughs> your star sign
3: leo another leo <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm a liar. Okay. Well, that is it, Evan. We are finished. Thank you so much for joining me tonight.
3: Thanks for your time tonight. Uh, I know it's pretty late at nine now. Uh, now.
2: we spent about 20 minutes talking with us. Yeah,
3: yeah no, I, enjoy, <laughs> I enjoyed talking to you. It's, it's a, <laughs> actually, it's a tab time I'm talking to you, if you remember. Uh, do you oh,
1: sorry?
3: It's, it's, it's a tab time that I'm having, having an interview with you. Well, head time. yeah, you reckon
2: that maybe <laughs> <laughs> anyway?
3: Uh, yeah, it's, it's it probably, yeah, anyway. That, that, that one of them was for you know teaching in Taipei back in the day. Um, yes,
1: yeah. yes.
3: Um, so I wanted to thank you. I don't think that it, it, someone else did that, but I wanted to appreciate what you do. I oh, know it's not a like a paid job or even sponsored job or something that you have any you know direct benefit from it. No. But I think that someone had to do it. And the, the you know the, the fact that you've done it, it may well I already had a lot of respect for you, oh, but it okay. make me to you know to say thank you for what you do and thanks for your time. And uh, you, you're doing a great job. You know, <laughs> although there are a lot of you know things that can be improved like the level of voice and things like that.
2: Oh, uh, but I think, I, I think it could be improved, <laughs> but
3: yeah, but I can see, like you know, how much I time you have to put in there.
2: and I don't have the equipment. Yeah. And you, I think, listen to it, and
3: <laughs> I think you're getting there. You're doing a really good job, and uh, you know, uh, I think a lot of demand. There is a lot of demand around the world to listen to what's happening in Australia, and um, even in Australia, what's happening, you know, industry firsthand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe the podcast is the future of, um, you know, the media uh it, it's something that you can listen everywhere and um you know a, a busy man like me listen all your podcasts and you know many other podcasts because i'm, I'm listening when i'm working I'm listening yeah. when i'm driving
1: mm. and
3: it gives me a lot of information and the the depths the of influence of podcasts are huge it's not like a you know instagram photo that you see and you swap and you
1: yeah, just double tap
3: or like or something it goes into your soul mm. so we need that. I wanted to again thank you for what you do and I wish you have all I'm um, if you know I'm happy to sponsor it sometime soon when um. I can make enough money but I think a lot of bigger companies should step in and you know at least pay for the cost of the the, the which is it costs you know it's not just your time it's a lot of time of technicians equipments you know even you know they're, they're, some people wants to be paid to you know to be interviewed because you mm. know obviously they They have their time is precious. Yeah. So um, I think you know someone should step in, and uh, it's really important. And I think it's getting it's it's finding its way your podcast into the industry and um, the park. And I'm proud to be one of the first guests. Maybe.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and saying that. (laughs) I feel very, very, very humble. Thank you. Before we go. Before we go. Any social media, any causes that you would like to promote while we're here?
3: Look, a free free advertisement. Can we do that? <laughs> okay. So first of all, um, I think there um, one of the things that was in our industry um, that was needed in our industry was a, a, a um, you know a, an app or software or some place that we can report to the other surveyors which mark is still there, which mark is gone. Mm-hmm. And that was something that one of my friends developed. There is an app in the marketing app store and in Android that's called Chainy, I think. Okay. And that's a software that you can download. That's an app you can download and you know report the lost marks or not found marks or found marks. Mm-hmm. And you save a lot of time for the other surveyors. That's one of the things about our industry helping each other, you know, to do the job in, in the best quality possible. Uh, that's something they can download. I uh, encourage them to do that um, and you know, report the marks. I think this is something that should be um, promoted from um, Surveyor General or other organization or even being you know, run by them. This is something that's probably gonna be helpful. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to, well, I'm, I'm, I don't wanna, you know, I'm, I'm not advertising on Instagram or Facebook, things like that. I think like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing just my, my Instagram page is private. Yeah. I'm posting my you know personal things on it you know if, if someone follows me go for it geo underscore akar and you know sometimes I post stuff about surveying and stuff uh, but you know I'm not a public figure or I don't want to you know, promote my business through Instagram just because I don't want to I'm not
0: uh,
3: but yeah I'm, I'm happy I'm enjoying um, you know following the other people's posts in LinkedIn you can find me at EVA and akar um, and I'm um, sometimes I post work related things over there more than Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to announce something. Uh, my company, Land and Stroud Surveys, is uh, joining to another company. And we will have a bigger team serving yeah. our industry in the next, you know, I mean, in, in this year. And I'm just, I wouldn't, uh, it's been called ENG Land Services.
2: Oh, congratulations.
3: Thank you so much. And I hope that, uh, you know, we are uh, stronger, uh, when we are together. That's my,
2: mm-hmm.
3: my uh, MUTO. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's do it. And hopefully this year will be better for everyone in industry. And um, yeah. That's it. <laughs> All right.
2: Thank you so much.
3: Hey, you, okay. So you didn't ask me a question that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> do we have time for that?
2: What? Yeah. Five minutes. Go.
3: One question that you ask everyone else was, is uni is, is necessary for having a successful... Oh, year? yes
2: yeah do you, think uni is,
3: do you think having a degree is necessary? Uh, I, no well I, I wanted to say um, this is probably not asking the right question sorry me to say that but no one will tell you you know having a uni degree is uh you know necessary to be successful when we have elon musk and mark zuckerberg and people like them in, in, in the world so who, who, who is there enough to say? Oh, uni is really required to become a. You know, I think this is not really <laughs> you know the, the, the question to be answered in different way. So I would say uni is not just about. Well, I probably wouldn't use four years' knowledge that I, you know I uh, learn in uni in day to day job. Yeah, I probably use as much as someone will be will be trained in in for, mm-hmm. You know, technician i probably will use that knowledge. And when I get my registration of, I had enough training from my mentors and you know, the Board of surveyors and Insta of Surveys mentors. And I had very great mentors and I wouldn't you know, name all of them. But uh, So everyone can have that training and become registered surveyor even if they don't have the qualification. So uni is not just about the training. It's more about building a community and learning soft skills and learning skills that you probably don't have time to learn in, in TAFE or the environment doesn't let you to learn in TAFE or you know the nature of TAFE doesn't give you enough um opportunity to to, to experience them to learn them mm-hmm. and you know for example I know that like a generation of, you know, of New South Wales graduates they all know each other you know they're in the, in the industry they you know it, it's not it's it's very small industry or, or industry and everyone knows each other yeah so if you are yeah if you are in taif and not in uni then you lose that circuit so i encourage everyone who wants to get into the environment uh working environment you know it's it's good it's enough probably to get um, um qualified in time but if you have the opportunity or you have uh time or budget or you know the, the intention or the, the passion Uni is, is good. Not everyone will become Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. No. About that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much.
3: Thanks, Peter. And um, I hope uh, you'll be better and better every day, which you are.
0: I'll try. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, have a good night.
0: Yeah, you too. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Evan. Stay tuned in a fortnight for another great guest.
2: Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox.